You know, the, uh, and the farther we go, the longer we, uh, we do this, the more we learn. You know, we want to we we strive lawfully. We talked about that the other day. We want to go according to God's Word and do this thing God's way. Uh, because that's, that's when we win. That's when we, uh, we receive that reward. We're crowned with that maturity. So the, the last section we're going to have today and, and of our morning sessions, we'll be back tonight, is to talk about the tools of discipleship. And uh, obviously there's a ton of tools out there. There's a lot of resources to be used in biblical discipleship. Uh, I was discipled with the, the tools that uh, Greg Axe and these guys put together years and years ago. And man, what an awesome tool it is. And really what we're going to talk about today, I think, is just that same framework. Uh, pretty much so. Uh, and so this is, if we're going to accomplish the mission, we need good tools. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not very good at any kind of woodworking or anything. We've got some guys in our church that, that are good at it. You know, and about 90% of that's having the right tool. Mm-hmm. You got to know how to use it, but, but then you need a tool. And so we've been talking about how to use it, and what we're going to do in this session is talk about the tool, Right? And so uh, Tony has done an incredible amount of work uh, to, to put this together for us. We haven't passed those out to you. He's going to show you some slides of the different things this morning. And we haven't passed those out because uh, as a fellowship, we've really just got our hands on them. Uh, we assigned everyone just the other day yeah. uh, to walk through those lessons. So everyone has an assignment. We're going to walk through them. We're going to clean them up. We're going to make revisions. And, and make it available to you. And I think we said that we're going to do that in two weeks, the next two weeks. Lord willing. All right, Lord willing. I think he's willing. I'm not sure about me. Uh, so, uh, Tony, mm. God bless you. Thanks for being here, brother. We found out last night that we are connected, mm. right? And we're not going to talk about all that. Uh, it's, it's amazing how the family is, right? Robert from down in Jacksonville, Florida, the other day we were talking about some mutual friends that we have from years and years ago. Just crazy how we're connected. Same thing here. Oh, so uh, it's, uh, it's great to have the family together and figure out how we're all connected. Tony's going to share with us about how to use this tool. All right. There you, there you go, Warren. Thank you. Man, you guys glad to be here? Amen. Man, I am blessed beyond, beyond all. And just last night, my mind was blown. I just lay there in bed just rejoicing uh, for the fellowship that we have amongst uh, brethren. Amen? Amen. And uh, so I'm tasked with uh, talking about the tools of discipleship. And honestly, that, that shouldn't take a whole lot of time. Um, just to, I mean, we've all used different materials of discipleship. We've used different booklets. We've used different sets of lessons. And, and I am grateful for the work uh, that Greg Axe and, and, and a few others have done in the past that we've taken and, and gleaned and used amongst in, in, within our churches. And and uh, we have been laboring over the last year and a half to two years um, in putting together a, a, a more concise uh, set of lessons that we were just needing within our own church. Um, we, were, we were using a, this book, this tool that wasn't necessarily accomplishing what we were, uh, or it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the tool that we were necessarily wanting to use, and, and so we were trying to figure out a way to um, uh, create one within our own church, and so I started uh, just redoing some things and finding and contacting different pastors and saying, hey, what are you using? What are you using? And they're sending me all these emails, and I'm comparing them, and they're very similar, and, 
even similar to the book. And I thought, man, I'm tired of spending money on books. I'm tired of spending money on materials. And I'm tired of putting all this effort in, in and somebody getting into three or four lessons and then flaking, because that never happens, right? And, and then, well, now they've got this book that they're not using. I kind of want to just go back on and repossess it and, and just take it back over and just, okay, we get that for somebody else. And man, it just, I thought, man, it's just going to be a lot easier if we could just hit print on a PDF document and hand it out when as needed. And somebody put it in a three ring binder. And I know it's not sexy and it's not cute, but man, it gets the job done, right? And so, man, that's, that, that was my goal. And so I'm getting into this thing and, and redoing a few lessons. I realized I have bitten off a whole lot more than I can chew. And uh, so I called up Sam Miles in a panic. I said, I need you to meet with me at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. And uh, he met me at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. And God, God just showed up. It was, it was really, really amazing because uh, that was his heart wanting to do some different things in Midtown, and, and uh, Kenny Morgan was there, and, and Troy Stogsdale, and Brian Clark, and, and we all showed up in this room. It was just this God-ordained uh, moment, and uh, just building a team uh, to, to write some new lessons, and taking the work that's already been done, the, the, the foundation was already there, made it a lot easier, for sure. Uh, made it a lot easier. And as we've talked about it over the last two years, different, different pastors from different places say, man, I'd love to see this in discipleship. What about this? And, and this works. And man, that's, that doesn't work. And taking all those things and running it through the team and, and talking about all, all the different verses and the topics that we want to talk about, we decided that we would go from a 16-lesson uh, discipleship and expand it to 18. And I know the danger is that it becomes... It becomes 20, becomes 24, becomes 25. It just gets larger and larger and larger. And that's a dangerous thing. We wanted to make it very simple. It needs to be repeatable. It needs to be all those things. We'll talk about that uh, here real quick. Um, but the, the, I don't know about you, but as a discipler, and as I'm meeting with individuals, I'm constantly dealing with f- family issues, husbands and wives. I'm dealing with children and parents or whatever it is. And so uh, I think it was Brett... Bartlett said, hey, we need a lesson on the family, and I wholly agree. And uh, so Mark Trotter uh, hammered one out, 25 stinking pages long. Um, But uh, (laughs) yeah, so I'm grateful for the the work that he did. We've pared it down uh, to 10. We brought it out. But no, I'm so grateful. Uh, to, to have another a new lesson on the family, and then we've added a lesson. I totally stole it from, from New Philly. Um, next steps. Okay, now that I've gone through these 17 lessons, this, this 18th one is how do, I, how do I make a disciple? What's my next step? What's, what's my responsibility? What's my world vision? Right? So, so that's the lesson 18. So those are two lessons uh, that we've added. And so I want to, some of you already have a copy of that, some of you don't, and so I don't want you to be too blind to this, but here's what I want to do just real quick. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bible to John chapter 1. Um, I want to get into the tools a little bit. Um, honestly, they're really self-explanatory. They're very, very similar to what you've already seen. Um, every, single, every single lesson has a cover page, uh, talks about what the lesson is, talks about what we're trying to accomplish. 
Um, it's got the content, the majority of the content that you, many of you are familiar with, and maybe in a different order. And some content maybe move from one lesson to another lesson because we thought it flowed uh, a little bit better. Um, every lesson has little questions throughout to force you to not just know what the content says, but to interact with it and apply it and, and apply some virtue to it, right? And so that's within every, every lesson. And then, of course, it has the review questions at the end. I like to do that with my disciple because um, I want to know that they're grasping it. And then it's also got a new section, uh, personal Bible study where it's on them to study content that is not in the lesson that is totally related to it so that they can learn to be students of the Word of God. And so that's in every single lesson, and every lesson is exactly laid out the exact same way for continuity's sake. And so I want to just share with you a little bit of my heart. Um, why, why am I even up here? That's the question. <laughs> Man, I don't know the answer to that question other than to just say, Discipleship is my heart. I would not be here today if it wasn't for discipleship. I got saved through the ministry of a Pentecostal church, and I praise God that they preached the gospel. But that's all they did. Not once was I encouraged to read my Bible. Not once. Not once was I encouraged to invest in anybody else. I was there to have an experience and to go home. And... Uh, I got disenfranchised with the church. I got disenfranchised with the things of the Lord. And I was always concerned about losing my salvation. And uh, I got to the point where if I'm just going to lose it, well, I might as well just give up. And so I just went and stocked shelves at the grocery store and uh, quit going to church. And man, oh man, there was a fine young woman uh, working at register for her. <laughs> and I just had to know her name. And I uh, met her, and she invited me to church, and I walked into Harvest Baptist Church. And uh, it had been a couple years since I've been in the doors of a church. And I'm used to drum sets and guitars, and, and there was an organ. And I thought, this is not going to go well. <laughs> and it was horrible, squawking, all 30 of us in this room. But when the pastor got up and started preaching with power and authority, I knew I needed this. That, it was just, it was salve. <laughs> I, I needed it from my heart. And I knew in that moment, you know, whether she or I ever make it, I need what they've got. And uh, it wasn't long until the pastor began to befriend me. And, and we went, he's just hanging out with me. He's doing life. And at the very same moment, we're, we're leaving from a 5 o'clock in the morning fishing trip. And uh, at the very same moment, he asked me about discipleship as I asked him about discipleship. We just over-talked each other. And he began to pour into me for two years. Uh, this original 16 lessons that I would know, the white booklets with the blue writing, and uh, poured, my gut, poured his guts into me. And uh, it took us four weeks to go through the eternal security lesson because I just couldn't grasp it. Um, but it was reading 2 Timothy chapter 2 that God spoke to me. And so I called him up. I said, hey, man, I'm on the team. He goes, what team? <laughs> what, what team? I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm all in. I, I want what, you, what you're offering me. I want this discipleship thing. 
I'd already been through lesson one. Now I'm four weeks deep into, into, into lesson two. And that's when I understood. At that moment, the discipleship became my heart. And so just real quick, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. I just want to do look at a few passages and just share out my heart uh, about discipleship before we get into, the, into these tools. So John chapter one, you have this, uh, you have the John the Baptist. He's got his disciples. Jesus is getting ready to come on the scene. He's preparing, he's preparing everybody uh, for Jesus. And I want to see in verse 29. Is everybody there? Say amen. All right. Just want to make sure you're there. Verse 29 says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. All right, so what is the ultimate goal? What is the ultimate goal of a discipler? It's to see their disciple choose to follow Jesus. Isn't it? The ultimate goal of a discipler is to point everybody to Jesus. Amen? That's the goal. It's got to be the goal. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God, but not just the Lamb of God. It's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the whole world. Verse 35. Verse 35 says, and again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold, the Lamb of God. And the most amazing thing happens, doesn't it? Verse 36. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, Lamb of God, verse 37, and the two disciples heard him speak. This is the heart of a discipler. And they followed Jesus. That is the heart of discipleship. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Every doctrine, everything we talk about, every single lesson needs to be centered around, behold, the Lamb of God. It needs to be around and about Jesus and only about Jesus. Amen? Because at the end, I want to be able to look back and say, man, there they go. They're following Jesus. That's the heart of discipleship. All right, Matthew chapter 10, or sorry, Matthew chapter 28. We know this. I just want to look at it again. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. You know where we're going? And Jesus, verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto who? Me. It's given to Christ. He's got the power. But not just any power. It's all spiritual power. It's all heavenly power. All earthly power. It's all given to him. Verse 19. Go ye what? Based upon the fact that he's got the power. Based upon the fact that he's the risen Christ. Based upon the fact that he is Jesus. He's the one with the power. He's the one with the authority. He says, now go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, every ethnic group, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Can I just say, we've talked about this, and I don't know why we're talking about this. If you're holding off on getting baptized, I don't understand it. It's part of the Great Commission. Two parts of the Great Commission, evangelize and make disciples. That's it. And can I just point out something real quick? Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things. I really believe this, and I may be teaching here. You might need to clean this up later. I really believe this. God withholds His Word from those who are not obedient to Him in baptism. Well, you, you don't want to obey the simple things. Why would I trust you with the bigger things? Right? So that's, that's, that's got to be it. Teaching them to observe all things. I want to hold on to that for a moment. 
Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So I just don't understand how we can say that we're in the will of God and not be making disciples. Because this is the commandment of the Lord. It is the commandment of the Lord. So the heart of discipleship is I want to see you follow Jesus. And the heart of discipleship is I want to obey the Lord Jesus. And that's in sharing the gospel, personal evangelism, but it's also in discipling and personal discipleship. That is the Great Commission. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Well, Tony, I've, I've been coming, and I've been hearing, and I've been, I've been, we've been talking about discipleship, and I look around the room, and I see a lot of disciple makers, right? And I see a lot of people here because you are a byproduct of discipleship. But I know there are some here that um, this may be a little bit foreign. So the question is, well, how do I know that discipleship is needed in my church? That's a, that's a valid question, I think. And maybe it's even this. Well, how do I know that discipleship needs an overhaul within our church? And I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4 answers that question for us. Now, 1 Corinthians, we, we, or the Corinthian church, we always talk about, man, how messed up they are. But notice this. Notice this. In verses 1, 1, 2, 3, and 4. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. I mean, that's, that's some gangster words. If somebody sent me a letter that says, man, you just, you're just not getting it because you're carnal. I'm not going to read the rest of the letter. I'm, not a, I'm pretty upset. He says, you're yet carnal, whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are, are you not carnal and, and walk as men? Look at this, verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are you not, are you not carnal? All right, so question, how do I know that, that the church needs discipleship, or how do I know that discipleship needs overhaul? Well, look at verse 4. They're, they're whining about, they're fighting about who led who to Christ. Well, I'm in Paul's camp, but while I'm in Apollos' camp, well, that's carnality. Why? Because immaturity was always going to magnify leadership over discipleship. Did you get that? Immaturity always magnifies leadership over discipleship. In other words, are they following you instead of Jesus? If they're following you and not Jesus, then you need discipleship. Amen? Amen. All right, so keep moving to chapter 4. Because I understand we're talking about the judgment seat of Christ, and, and all, we'll get to that here in just a moment. But chapter 4, in verse 8, they're playing house. They have no leadership. And he says in verse 8, Now you're full, now you're rich. You've reigned as kings without us. And I would to God you did reign that we also might reign with you. He says, hey, you are, you are pretending to reign as kings without any leadership. And he goes, I, I would to God that you reign and that I reigned with you, but you're too busy playing house. You're too busy holding church services. You're, you're too busy just singing praise songs and having Sunday school. You're too busy pretending to be followers of Christ. Listen, immaturity is always going to promote impression over the mission. I want you to see how godly I am versus be doing the mission. 
Man, churches, we are so good at talking the talk, aren't we? We talk and we talk and we talk about the mission. We talk about this and we, we talk about that. And then you know what we're going to do on Sunday? We're going to have a church service. And people are going to come. And they're going to shake hands. We're going to sing a few songs. And some of you might even raise their hand in praise. And somebody might even say amen to a part of the message. And then they're going to get in their parking lot, get in their car, and they're going to go home not changed. We need discipleship. Because that's not following Jesus. That's playing games. This passage was brought up earlier, verse 15. Chapter 4, verse 15. Well, I love verse 14. He goes, I write not these things to shame you. It's like a good daddy. Hey, listen, I know I'm in your grill. I love you. It's just like a good father. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. In other words, get a clue. Right? That's what he's saying, verse 15. He says, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ. He's being a little hyperbolic. Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet have you not many fathers. What is, what's the mark of true maturity? It has not known the seven mysteries and the seven baptisms. The mark of true maturity is that you're able to reproduce yourself. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Listen, immaturity emphasizes information. Over transformation and reproduction. That's not up on the screen, I'm sorry. But immaturity always emphasizes information over transformation. I want to know more. I want to know more. And, I want to, and they equate that with following Jesus. Well, that's, that's not true. Where's the virtue? Yo, it's not there. It's just not there. So what do you have? You have people following a pastor and not Jesus. You have people pretending to be spiritual and they're just holding church services. Then you have people that are puffed up with knowledge and no one's getting saved. That's when you know you need discipleship. Amen? That's what a church needs, discipleship. That is the heart of discipleship. So what is the solution? Here it is, verse 16. Wherefore, based upon all that stuff, based upon all your carnality, based upon all that stuff, he says in verse 16, wherefore, I beseech you, be you followers of me. You need discipleship. And so he says, I'm on my way. I'm coming. Is that what he says? Verse 17 says, because you need discipleship, you need to see how it's demonstrated. I'm going to send Tim. Paul would have done a bang-up job, but they wouldn't have got it. With me? Paul sends the fruit of discipleship. I'm sending you Timothy because he has been discipled and he's going to give it to others also. He's demonstrating the pattern of discipleship. 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 3, real quick. I love how pastors say that because they don't mean it. Here's what I've noticed just at harvest in Iola, Kansas, 14 and a half hours away. It's a long way. 
We'll find that all. Here's we're going to drive every one of them tomorrow. Here's what I've noticed. We are constantly fighting the tendency for discipleship to turn into program. Anybody else struggle with that? I feel like we always fight that. We fight that. This, the first generation gets it. The second generation, they don't get it as much. The third generation, it just gets a little bit. And then the next thing you know, I find out people are being discipled in, in three weeks, or three weeks, three months, four months. I'm like, that's not possible. It's not possible. You just treated that. You just, somebody used the phrase earlier in the week. You just burned through the material. There's no life change. There's no transformation. That's not a disciple. They're not following Jesus. There's no change in their life. And we fight that all the time. So, I, so I'm always asking myself, how do we protect that? How would you protect that? How would you protect that? And it, you're, it's just always going to try to run to that. So you've always got to be laying out the vision. If I get tired of laying out the vision, listen, they're just now starting to hear it. Right? Lay out the vision. Lay it out. Lay it out. But chapter, uh, chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 4 and Sorry, chapter 3. Man, I cannot think today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Paul had been to the church in, in Thessalonica. You can read about this in Acts chapter 17. He goes there. Um, he's there for three weeks. He pours his guts in them, sees many people get saved. He gets ran out of town on, and uh, is driving Paul absolutely insane. I love his heart for discipleship because he wants fruit, but he doesn't just want fruit. He wants fruit that remains. And so it's driving him absolutely insane. He's, he's hanging out in Athens, and he goes, I don't know how the church is going. I want to know that they're making it. And then verse 2, he says, and he sent Timotheus. He sends Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Why? That no man should be moved by these afflictions. You can't follow Jesus without affliction. Amen? You can't do it. He says, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. So how do I protect my church or our church from treating discipleship like a program? Well, here it is. You need to have a heart where it says in our church, we're going to desire to have fruit that remains. We're going to pursue not just fruit, but remaining fruit. We got to have that. We have to have that as an ingrained, not just from the pulpit, not just from the pastors, but the current throughout the church is there's got to be a desire for remaining fruit, right? So let's just get really practical. We can talk about the tools all day long, but if we don't understand that God desires remaining fruit, then we're wasting our time. It's a complete waste of time. Last part of chapter 3. He says in verse 12, he says, And Lord, make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Here, here's, here's a, just, I'll just be practical here. We always have to have the judgment seat in sight. Because I'm commanded, you are commanded, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, that we are to present every man perfect. 
in Christ Jesus. We understand that we're, what we're doing here is we're not giving them really cool tools, really cool Bible knowledge, and, and we're not just doing some program. No, we're, 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 we're perfecting men and women because one day they're going to stand before a holy, awesome God. Do you understand the cargo that's in your possession? These are the souls of men, but not just that. They're, they're God's children. It's your responsibility to present them perfect. And Paul says it throughout his letters. Not just here. He says it throughout them all. Keep the end in sight. The judgment seat of Christ. Amen? Now, chapter 4, verse 1 says, Furthermore then, based upon all that, based upon that, he says, Then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you've received of us, how you ought to walk in to please God, so ye would abound more and more. All right, so we talk about the four goals of discipleship, worship, the word, the local church, and, and ministry. And man, Brian's been doing a bang-up job, hasn't he? He's been doing a phenomenal job with that. I call these right here in chapter 4 the four goals of disciple-making church. The four goals of a disciple-making church, and I'm going to fly. You ready? He says, furthermore, then we beseech you, what's the word? Brethren and exhort you. We need fellowship. We need churches that are surrounding, surrounded by fellowship. We need brothers and sisters in Christ that are going to beseech and exhort us. You see that in chapter 4, verse 1? We beseech you and brethren and exhort you. But then he says, by the Lord Jesus. He doesn't say, Savior Jesus. He says, the Lord Jesus. We need worship, don't we? We need worship. True worship. There's a lot of Christians willing to fight and follow a Jesus that saved them. There's not very many Christians out there willing to follow a Lord Jesus. We need fellowship. We need worship. He says that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God. Well, hello, that's discipleship, isn't it? This is how you walk. This is how you please God. In other words, I'm not pleasing my pastor. I'm not pleasing my Sunday school teacher. I'm not pleasing my disciple. Or I'm not here to please men. I'm pleasing my Lord. And by the way, I, Romans chapter 8 says something about the fact that I'm, I can't please God in the flesh. Right? So it's living a spirit-filled life, isn't it? So how you walk to please God, that's discipleship. So fellowship, worship, discipleship. And then the last part, he says, so ye would abound more and more. What's that? You take ownership, don't you? Ownership. You have fellowship. You have worship. You have discipleship. You have ownership. Why? Because my goal is not to say, hey, you completed 18 lessons. Let's pass the baton. That's awesome. I love that idea. I'm going to steal it. I think it was giving me permission, so I guess I'm good to borrow it or take it or whatever. But my goal is not that. My goal is that they understand that they're going to take this and they're going to abound more and more. Now, I don't know how that's even physically possible other than to say multiply. Just multiply. Now, real, real quick, look at verse 2. Hello? Verse 2 says, For ye know what commandments. The tools of discipleship, this book. This is the tool of discipleship. Because if they walk out knowing this material, 
and not knowing the commandments, that we have failed. It's a failure. And I, I can't stress that enough. He says, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. He says, ye know what commandments, that's ownership, you know them. There's the ownership. That we, there's fellowship, gave you discipleship by the Lord Jesus, worship. That's the heart of discipleship. Amen? Amen. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and then we're going to talk about these tools, these 18 lessons that we've got. We know them. We know this verse. Um, we love this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong. I love that he starts off with that. Because, man, there's so many times I feel so weak. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, verse 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so here's what we did. We took verse 2 as a, as a team. And so um, Kenny Morgan, Troy Stocks deal, uh, Brian Clark, a little bit of Mark Schroeder, um, and, and a few others just going through lessons and, and rewriting them and, 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 and uh, just per, going, oh, oh my goodness, it was just a lot of work, wasn't it, Troy? <laughs> it's just a lot, a lot of work. And so what we did is we took Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, the most familiar verse in the Bible on discipleship and laying out the pattern. Um, we, we just said, okay, let's break this verse down. Let's exposit the verse and pull out some values uh, of discipleship. And so I want to take these values and kind of run through the, the lessons at the same time. And so the very first, he says, and the things. Well, hello. That's, we got to focus on making doctrine the priority, right? So what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 28 in verse 20? He says, teaching them all things, right? He says in, in, in 1 Timothy, he says, hey, you've been given the things. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the things. There's a lot of things we teach from a pulpit. There's a lot of things that we teach in Sunday school. But man, there's some things we need to know. There's some doctrine that we need to know. Amen? It needs to, the cargo of discipleship is doctrine. Relationship gets it there. The cargo is the doctrine. Everybody with me? Is that making sense? The relationship is vital for sure. But we want to know that our disciples have received the things. So can we pull up that next slide? So here is um, a, a, a portion of the first page of the salvation lesson. And this is how every lesson is going to look, right? So I'll, I'll run through, the, through the, the doctrines, as it were, that we're going to, to lay out. But it's all going to have a simple little paragraph at the top, the key word, the key questions, the key purpose. What you don't see on this page yet, um, it's going to have the, the key point, and then at the bottom of the page, it's going to have uh, two memory verses. In the past, we've had three. We're paring it down, down to two, right? That has to do with the key word of the relationship. Or, sorry, 
of the relationship. The key word of the lesson. Does that make sense? Um, so let me just run these by you real quick. So here's the 18 lessons. Salvation, eternal security, the Holy Spirit and prayer, word of God, dealing with sin, liberty in Christ, the family, local church, ordinances, giving, or other Christians, the will of God, job and employer, money, possessions, sharing the gospel, the judgment seat of Christ, and then the last lesson is the next steps. How do I take this and give it to somebody else? Right? That is the doctrine of discipleship. Right? And so that's kind of how every lesson is going to look. And so you ought to be able to have a snapshot as you're discipling, as you are uh, getting ready to walk your disciple through the lesson. Okay, I know the key word is relationship. I want to focus on this relationship that I have with God through salvation. Right? I'm keeping, I'm keeping the key questions. What does it mean to be born again? How does salvation affect my relationship with God, and it just goes and goes and goes, all right? So 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 says, and the things, he says, that thou hast heard of me. Well, that means that we're focusing on maintaining a teacher and student relationship, right? That thou hast heard of me. Listen, you can't call it discipleship without having a disciple, right? If, if it's anything other than it's Bible study, this has to be one-on-one or at, at the... Man, I've never seen it work in a class. I'm not saying it hasn't. I've just never seen it. I've just never seen it work. Uh, I've discipled two or three at a time, and I've seen that work at times. But I've just never seen it work in a classroom setting. I'm not saying it's not possible. But man, I just don't see it. So there has to be a teacher-student relationship. Right, because there's, all right, so this, the point I'm making here on my notes is this is only a tool to help you teach. That's all this is. The goal is that you pour your life into this person. And how can you do that in a classroom setting? I just don't get that. But at the same time, you've got to be pouring your guts into them by opening the Word of God. And giving them the true tools of discipleship. So focus on maintaining a teacher-student relationship. Yes, you need to spend time. Yes, they need to be in your house. You need to be in their house. You need to be sharing life together for sure. But it needs to be understood, teacher-student. I am pouring into you. And that's what I love about the lessons. Here's the key point. Here's the thing. There's the doctrine. Now go teach it. Well, how do you teach? Exactly what Jeff said. With life. You pour your life into them. If they don't see it in your life, then, all right, listen, you haven't learned anything if you can't put it into practice, right? You haven't learned anything if you're not doing it. That's the truth. All right, so 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things that thou hast heard of me, my many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So I think we have a slide after this. Was Was there one before that? Is that? All right, so here it is. We have, we have follow-up, right? Because we want to know how things are going. So after three lessons, here's how we've got it broke down. Every three lessons, there's going to be a follow-up. And it's going to have, you've got to fill this out to get the next three. I don't care how you do it. This is how we're going to do it, right? And so we're going to give you the three lessons. After the three lessons, you're going to do this follow-up. Hey, I want to know who, who's being discipled. Let, let's, what are some main issues that you're struggling with? 
We want to know how things are going. And then we always want to keep the goals, right? We always want to keep the goals in, 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 how are they doing in the goals? And then once that's filled out, okay, okay, let's just, let's go a little bit further. Let's just go a little bit further and talk more about that. All right, so 2 Timothy chapter 2, in, in verse 2, he says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Focus on having accountability. Amen? There, there needs to be accountability in discipleship. Discipleship should not be done in isolation. He says, among many witnesses. Doesn't he? It should never be done in isolation. We need others that are going to be able to witness it, be able to, to verify that the goals are being accomplished. And this is one of the ways that helps us. That we're, able, that we're able to see this. All right, so that's how we're going to roll. And then I've already seen tons of typos in those. So point them out to me later. Next, let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, And the things that thou hast heard of me, my many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. He says, the same commit thou. Focus on teaching in a way that's repeatable. You need to be able to take those same things and give it to somebody else in a repeatable way. And we're, we're trying to accomplish that with these lessons. Listen, biblical truth needs to be simple to understand, doesn't it? It needs to be simple to understand. Can we look at the next slide here? So here, here's an example of the Liberty in Christ lesson. And, and part of that, every, every lesson is going to have the key point pulled out. Here's the key point. Just like a lot of everybody else's materials, here's the key point. Why? Because we want to drive it home, right? Here's the key point. Here's the repeatable content. Here we want to make sure that this is being passed on, right? And you can read all that. That's just a snapshot of one of the lessons. So it needs to be simple to understand. I think, well, hello, that's simple to understand, isn't it? That's really simple to understand. But not only, not only that, it needs to be easy for your disciple to present in practical ways. Can we look at the next slide? So... Here's a, here's a snapshot from the finance, money possessions lesson. Here's the points. Here's a couple verses. But notice at the bottom, every lesson has got these discussions throughout. Have you considered the fact that you only manage God's resources and that you do not really own anything? Let's talk. Let's chat. Let's have a conversation about that. Amen. Here's what that does. It forces you to deal with the content of God's Word. But not only that. It gives your disciples not very maybe comfortable about having that dialogue. Now you're forced to have a conversation. Now you're forced to have a dialogue. You're getting information from them. Now your disciple says, let me tell you how this worked out in my life, bro. Because, uh, man, I owned it all. I thought it was all mine. And I still do at times. We're able to share life, right? So every lesson has got these discussions uh, throughout. And how well are you managing well, here's where this ends up at the end. Um, you need some help making a budget? Do you need some help? Because let's walk through that. Disciple or disciplee. Let's walk through. And so over the time, we don't, we don't have that stuff queued up now. But over time, we'll have some, some helps, some teaching helps. And here's how to help your disciple make a budget. Maybe your disciple needs to teach you how to make a budget. Right? Whatever that is. Um, Right? There needs to be, it needs to be, man, it needs to be repeatable, doesn't it? 
But all right, so then he says to faithful men, focus on discipling faithful believers. Guys, I can't stress this enough. We need faithful disciples or we're wasting time. I've had numerous conversations. I've asked people, how's this discipleship going? Who, who are you discipling? Man, I just had one flake. I just had this. Faithful man who can find. We need faithful disciples. But not only that, we need faithful disciplers. I've had numerous occasions where the person being disciples come up to me and says, man, my disciple just won't meet with, my disciple won't meet with me. I feel like I'm having to chase them down. Well, then they don't need to be discipling. Then they're too busy. If you're too busy, then you're too busy. We need faithful disciples, faithful disciplers. And I don't have a slide for that. That's just truth. And so one of the things that we've done, and I stole it from Midtown, um, we've implemented a cost of discipleship class. We can do that in a class. Here's what it costs to follow Jesus. And we try to talk you out of it. Because if I could talk you out of it, then you don't need to be discipled. And so we do that. And we've had people go, whoa, that ain't for me. Well, praise the Lord. Because the last thing I want to do is go waste somebody's time, get five lessons into, and you go, this really isn't for me. Well, they could have been over here discipling Susie. Thank you very much. No, we need, to, we need faithful disciples. Amen? Faithful disciplers. That takes us back to accountability. It takes us back to accountability. Faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Focus on making disciples that are able to make more disciples. Reproduce reproducers. Notice this. He says that shall be able to. When somebody has gone through the process of discipleship, they ought to be able at the very end to turn around. Receive that baton and start to hand it to somebody else. Or that's not discipleship. That's information. Now, I understand, some people are not able. They're not able to do a lot of different things. They can still follow Jesus, and they can, they can do all those things, for sure. A true discipleship means that we give it to people that are able to give it to somebody else. And that's the heart of our lessons. The heart of our lessons is, man, simple cover sheet. Here's where we're going. Here's the roadmap. Stole that from Heartland Baptist Fellowship. Loved it. Stole it. Said, I'll take that. Thank you very much. And we put that right on the top. So the, that's the direction we're going. Here's the content. Let's just strip it down. Let's take the 95,000 verses that are in it. Let's strip it down and make it receivable, that I can receive that. Listen, we're not trying to give you everything. We're just trying to get you going. Amen? So here's the foundations, here's the bottom line, here's, here's the simple stuff. That, I mean, we want to get you established in, in the four goals, for sure. And we try to, to get the content so that you have to look up verses, you have verses within it. Right? We're trying to do all those different things, but we also want to have discussions throughout to force you to have dialogue, to force you to share life. 
right? Having the follow-ups, there's the accountability. We haven't been doing that, and we paid the price. We've been paying the price because there's people being discipled that I don't know what's going on. Uh, my fault. I need to know what's going on. I confess. So we need to have those deals. Yes, we still need to have the review. We want to know that this ha- I like to do that with my disciple. I want to, that way I can know that they're really getting it, not just regurgitating something they found a lesson. But at the very end, I want to know that they're able to study the Word of God. And so throughout, there's, ex, uh, there's passages of Scripture that are exposited. Throughout, I mean, they're, they're asked to do the same thing. I mean, it's just, it's just really cool. I'm excited uh, to see where this takes us. Um, it is a working copy that we have. Um, Bo found like 19 different typos in one of the lessons. I'm like, oh, I'm horrible. So we do have different pastors have different lessons. They're supposed to be getting, getting them turned in. So we can make all the typos, corrections, the heresy changes, all those type of things. And then um, our goal, um, I don't want our, our goal is to, to, to make it available to whoever wants it. I hope you don't feel pressured to use it. That's not our goal. Our goal is we, we have a tool that's available if you want it. And, uh, and so we got PDFs uh, to make available to you as you want them, and as they're changed, and as they're corrected, they'll be put up on the uh, LF Fellowship. Is that right? Is that what we're planning on doing eventually? LFFellowship.com. Yeah, LFFellowship.com is where they're going to land uh, eventually. Um, if you have any more questions about that afterwards, ask me. I'll do everything I can to, to help out um, uh, with that uh, for sure. Eventually, we want to get them translated them into Spanish almost immediately. Uh, to Chewa, is that right? I say cancer. I, was, I can't say it right. That word. Um, we wanted to get it translated to that Hungarian. We wanted to get it translated into different languages. Our goal is that when we send a church planter out or we send a missionary out, they don't have to waste a year. It's not a waste. But they don't have to spend a year and a half of their life creating new materials. Man, just use this one. Oh, that doesn't work in the culture. Well, then you make the changes. But, man, you've got something to roll with. right? Let's just hit the ground running. Instead of just trying to figure things out. Amen? And then, man, we got some other plans down, down the road to make it electronic and do all kinds of different things. We could talk more about that another time. But this time, I'm going to turn it over uh, to Joe. Guys, thank you very much.